Cool Button Hockey Podcast. Episode 53 is on the air. The push to the playoffs continues. We're less than a month away from playoff games for 16 teams. And then in just two weeks, we'll be down to eight. It's the most exciting time of the year. Mr. Craig Button, we had some controversy over the weekend. I think we might have to softly drop the gloves on this one. Where do you stand on what happened between Arizona and Anaheim, Zegris, Beagle, Terry, and the way it was handled and the way you want it to be handled either now or in the future? The floor is yours, my friend. You've heard me say this many, many times. The, the players are out there on the 200 by 85. We have a rule book. And so at, there's a different times. Players decide to handle different situations in a manner that they think fits, uh, you know, the, the, the temperature of the game or what, what's unfolded in the course of the game. I will never say that a player should or shouldn't do this. We have the rules to deal with how uh, a player should be penalized, what the consequences should be. We have the Department of Player Safety. So, you know what, we can talk all we want about, you know, what transpired at the end of that game, you know, Trevor Zegers jumping in on the goalie, right? Well, if it is true that the Arizona Coyotes were embarrassed, if it is true that they were angry and mad because of the way the Anaheim Ducks were carrying on, well, you know what, they, they found an excuse to exact, uh, to get their pound of flesh, so to speak, right? Okay, so we can look at it and say, okay, should the Department of Player Safety done anything? They decided not to do anything, right? I'm not so sure there needed to be anything done. Like, you know, there's going to be situations where a fight breaks out and, you know, there's some blood spilled and the circumstances surrounded it. We might not like it, but I I don't think there's any issue with uh, supplemental discipline. I, I, I think the biggest thing surrounding it was the commentary around the scenario. The, I, I, I don't think on the ice was as much as, as the commentary. And, you know, Tyson Nash has tried to come out and, and, and clarify what he said. He said in the heat of the moment, right? But that, I think, is, is what's got everybody's dander up, right? Is, is more the commentary around what happened that somehow, you know, if that's the way you're going to uh, act, if that's the way you're going to play, you got to expect to be punched in the face. Well, okay, maybe you do, maybe you don't. But it seems the con the commentary was more of the controversy than actually what happened on the ice. So to me, you know what? Again, I'm going to say it. I never, I'll never tell a player you shouldn't fight. I'll never tell a player, hey, you, you feel something should occur and you need to deal with it in a manner that you think is fitting, go ahead. But there's consequences to everything, which I'm anticipating allows me to lead into P.K. Subban, Oliver Wallstrom. We'll, 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 we'll get to yeah, we'll oh. get to that. We'll get to that. Okay, we'll okay. get to that. When Steven Spielberg made Jaws, when he showed them the first cut as a young director, there was no music, so they were going to throw the whole thing out. And then they said, "Hang on a second. and they put in the no 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 in the water. That changed his career, changed the movie. It was going to be there anyway. Tyson Nash's underscore under what was going on made it worse than it actually was in the game. And it made people automatically think who didn't watch live. I was watching live. I saw the Carrick Carcone fight and the linesman jump in right away, the temperature of the game and everything else. So I think that underneath it made people think, especially our friends at hockey night, when they talked about it, that this was about five, nothing Zegris lacrosse goal and kind of rubbing it in. 
Now, I'm not naive enough to believe that it had nothing to do with it. Of course, it had something to do with it. And we could argue how much. But in the moment when Zegers poked at Kojanosh, soft poke, in came Beagle, gave him a poke, which was called a two. Fowler does a scary flyby. And Terry, to his credit, comes in and engages Beagle. He has three options. Fight him, turtle, or grapple. The grapple's like, come on, I come on, let's not do this. And the linesman's right there in the moment, and the linesman could break up the fight like that or, or stop something from happening. But he doesn't, which is weird because on the Carcone Carrick thing, they, Craig, they were right in on that. Like they were right in on that. So I don't know verbally what was said. Do you want to go? Do you want to go? I, I'm not sure. But then I did count that Jay threw 10 right hands. He got 10 in, like screwland on that guy in Quebec City when he jumped over the glass. <laughs> remember that? that I was do remember. Yeah. yeah, that was great. Well, you shouldn't jump on the ice, kids. So in the moment, he got two for the cross check, five for fighting, and a game misconduct, which I also believe is the right call. That is the right call. If you come up to me and I'm looking this way, like Jimmy Mann, and you just attacked me, we're in another category. And if we want to start discussing about jumping players or players who don't engage, that's another story. Troy Terry, to his credit, you know who's on the ice? Fowler, Drysdale, Zegris, Milano, and Terry. And Terry, to his credit, went in. And I did hear our buddy Louis DeBrus talk the other night when he was engaged by a lesser player. He let him go. And they said back in the old days, the code is, if you poke the bigger bear, you're asking for it. I'm not saying Troy Terry was asking for it, but he came in to defend his team's honor and all that, and he engaged. If he didn't want to at that point, sadly, he would have turtled. Nobody wants to turtle. What happened afterwards, I think, was dealt with correctly. Department of Player Safety looks at everything, guys. They look at it like this, like the sheriff, and decide we're not pressing any charges. I'm okay with that, Craig. And we agree on it. I thought you were going to be on the other side. Now, the PK situation... I think it's a little bit different. There's some similarities, but there is something that's a little bit different because PK just charges Wallstrom. Wallstrom drops the gloves. That's the worst fight ever. He gets credit for a fight there. I got a bigger problem with PK just attacking Wallstrom than I do what happened between Terry and Beagle. I think it's a little different. I don't still think it's suspendable, but that's going to an area of a bit more barbarianism if that's the word if if he attacks wallstrom concusses him knocks him out we're, we we go to another level because wallstrom sort of engaged we're in that soft area again of looking like you know we are a bit of a vikings on ice sport so you were going to get into pk anyway so do you think it's different or you don't think it's different i think it's a different scenario with respect to how many times have we seen a clean hit being delivered and a, and a, a player uh, come to and, and say, no way, that's not happening. We're going to address that. How many times have we seen that? We've I seen it we... time and time again. Yeah. What PK did is not uncommon. We can debate whether we agree with it about the clean hit and everything. You know, I, like, you know what? We, we, we've heard it forever in a day. So PK steps up on Wallstrom. Wallstrom, okay, he realizes, okay, I'm in this, right? But the minute he went down, there's two things. PK backed off. And the linesmen were right in there. You know what I say? No harm, no foul. And the referees give five minutes each for fighting. They're gone and everything that goes with it. PK's out of the game, right? 
I've seen that play. Listen, I, I think hitting and body checking is part of the game. But again, I'm going to say it again, Steve. Yeah. The players are on the 200 by 85. And if they feel that they need to address something, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. We have a rule book. We have a Department of Player Safety that can deal with something that crosses that line. Like, and I'm talking about outside of the game and the referees in there. So to me, it's all good. And to be clear, what I'm saying is, and this is saying if, right? It's like, you know, the old tongue and cheek joke about if my aunt and my uncle i'm saying pk goes over if wallstrom wants nothing to do with him he keeps going to play and pk throws a right that knocks him down we are now in another category so wallstrom by engaging although not much because i don't even know he actually threw a fight but he did drop his gloves kind of gets pk off the hook just a little bit you and i have done so many shows on television where we get into the neon knee and collision there was no leaving of the of the railway tracks for wallstrom on hughes it's kind of bad luck it was left knee kind of on above the left knee. Um, but it brings up in this scenario with these two incidences, the Islanders wanted PK to stay in the game. They wanted, they were upset when he got thrown out of the game. They had probably the Matt Martins of the world saying, we want PK to stay in the game where Timu Solani said on Twitter, don't like how these young duck stars are getting pushed around. We need a couple of tie domies here now. The joke is over. It brings up again, old school into new school of would it have happened with the Laurier or a Tom Wilson? Where, where are we on Solani's comments? Look, if we all could have Gary Roberts and Kevin Stevens and Keith Kachuk and Wendell Clark and all Chris Pronger, we'd all be happy. And there's not those type of guys. So back kind of on the barbarianism do you agree with Solani that the Ducks need to replace Nick Delorier next year? Or is that just old school, gone, bye-bye, baby? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'll quote what uh, Bob Ganey said a number of years ago. He said, if the players feel that they need some security, some, uh, you know, safety measures, then that, again, I'm going to go back to the 200 by 85. If they feel that they that they need that and they're more comfortable with it, then you better get it for them. That's the way I feel. It's not up to me. It's not up to me to decide to decide. Hey, you need that or you don't need that based on my own philosophy. I'm not down there on on the 200 by 85. The players are. And you know, if you think about the Detroit Red Wings, and I think about this all the time. You know what? They were making a move, and they had Joey Kocher, and they had Darren McCarty, and they did, and and then. You know, in early parts of their of their of their development as a as a championship team, they had it, and then they didn't have it, and everybody said, "Why don't?" They? But but the Red Wings reached the point where they said, "We don't need it anymore." But but they when 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 they were at a different stage, they had it. That's my point here. It's not about up to me to decide if you need it or don't need it, right? Timo Solani, he came through a different era, right? And he sits down and goes, hey, it made me feel comfortable. If I have star players and it makes them feel comfortable, why the hell wouldn't I make them feel comfortable? You know, what what am I going to do? Tell them to sleep on the floor in the hotel? You don't get a mattress because, you know what, you got to tough it out? Same thing on the ice, Steve. So where are these guys in the modern era? What tree do they grow on? I was able to see Oshawa Kingston on Sunday. 
uh, your buddy Shane right there, who was uh, all over it. They deserved a better fate. I mean, those guys aren't there now that in theory, like they used to be. I just went over the power wingers of the past. There's, I don't see an Eric Lindros coming up unless you know there's one in Kamloops or you know there's one in the queue. So where are we in the hockey world going to get this guy or guys to help in this case, Milano, Terry, Zegras, Drysdale, and Fowler. It's great for Timu to say it, but okay, who, who who's the guy? You just, well, you just you, they traded Nick Delorier. They had the guy. What do you mean? Like they had the guy, and 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 you know, you there's different types of players. Like you know, like and so like the the game does not lend itself to having. You know, like the, the way it used to be, and Sarah Savard used to say, if they have one battleship, you need a battleship. If they have two battleships, you need two battleships. It's not like that anymore. But, you know, you know, Nick Delorier could could go out and play somewhat, right? And like, you know, it, it, so, you know, we use the term deterrent, right? If I know I can get an opponent uncomfortable, if I know I can get an opponent uncomfortable, I'm going to do everything I can to make an opponent uncomfortable. If I can balance the scales... By making somebody else feel like, don't be so comfortable trying to make our, our good players uncomfortable. I'm going to do that. You know, you can do it in different ways, but the, you know, the game and the, and the development of, of the players and, and where those guys are at, it's not like that anymore, but make no mistake about it, Steve. There is a, there, there are players out there that can go out and just say, Hey, listen, do that again. Right. And like, you know, I'm going to come and deal with it. I always tell the story about Brian McGratton, Brian McGratton, you know, was playing for the Calgary Flames and they were playing in Vancouver and people were taking runs at Jerome again, like taking run, like taking a run here, taking a run there. And Brian on a face-off turned around and he looked right at the, at the two Sedins, Daniel and Henry. I said, I don't know who's who I can't tell you apart. He says, but I'm going to tell you right now, next guy that takes a run at Jerome, I'm coming after one of you. <laughs> I'm coming Take after close. one of you, yeah. right? That's a deterrent. Like, what do you think? I always say Wayne Gretzky and, and Tyson Nash referred to this. He's right. Tyson Nash talked about Chris Pronger and Al McInnes telling him, shut up and sit down. I don't want them coming after me. Wayne Gretzky used to do the same thing. He used to tell, hey, knock it off. You know what? I don't want people running at me or running at other skilled players. The skilled players ran the game too, Steve. <laughs> it wasn't just the so-called tough guys or the enforcers, right? The skilled guys also did that. So to me, it's there, it's different, but it's not going away. So what am I going to tell Timo Solani? You're, you're full of it. You're not right. He is right. Is he, is he right to the same extent as when he was playing? No, but bottom line is it's still, when you're there on the ice and you're trying to get the opponent unsettled, you think that that's all going away? You think that there's still body check and there's still hard, heavy play. You want your players to be comfortable as a manager. If it makes my players comfortable, I'm finding ways to make them comfortable. Yeah. I have a similar story when uh, Tony twist joined us uh, at the score. And he said he was going after Steve Eiserman. He was on the ice against Eiserman and Eiserman got kicked out of the draw. So they were side by side and twist started going at him. And then everyone got involved and Steve said, what are you doing? And he said, they're going after Brett. This is going to stop. The only way it stops is I come after you. Eisenman turned around and did the same thing to the Red Wings bench. I wish we could hear that stuff, Craig. I wish there was a channel. We'll pay for it. 
19 or over, 21 or over, I don't care. Proof of ID to hear some of this stuff because so much goes on. And, you know, we have the 16 by nine, we have the HD, we've got all the stats and all this stuff, but it's on the ice that there's a soap opera that goes on about whether you agree with it or not and everything else. To, to have heard Tony Twist go to Steve, what are you doing here? Here's why I'm here. Steve goes to his team because the kosher or McCarty, whoever it was, like, I know it a little bit. It's, it's children. It's barbaric. I, I know that. I know For somebody else to watch and go, Jay Beagle could just take 10 punches at Troy Terry. Yeah, well, Terry kind of went at him, and that's the game and everything. I, like, I know, and we've got our culture and everything, but if I could hear that and hear Tony tell the story, and then the waters are calm and we play hockey again, I find it fascinating, Craig. I really do. I find it fascinating. Uh, Jim Playfair tells a great story. I think it's a great story. He's playing for the Chicago Blackhawks. They're playing the Pittsburgh Penguins. Game's a little bit out of hand, and the Penguins were highly skilled, right? So Keenan was coaching. Uh, Mike Keenan was coaching Chicago. He throws Jimmy Playfair out on the ice, and he says, uh, he says to uh, Jimmy, he says, Jimmy, uh, he just says, Jimmy, Jimmy knows, like Steve Dykes was out on the ice. Well, Jimmy gets out on the ice, and he lines up next to Paul Coffey. Paul Coffey turns to him. He goes, I think you need to introduce yourself to the guy on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't matter if it's uh, the 30s, the 40s, the 60s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s. You can bet on what we saw over the weekend. Basically, will always be a part of the game, whether some of us like it or don't. Time now for KB on Ice, an inside look at the National Hockey League brought to you by our friends at Sports Interaction. Craig, as you know, Sports Interaction is Canada's sports book. What is on your mind and wallet today? It's uh, the Calgary Flames at the LA Kings. I mean, the LA Kings have been on really playing well in the absence of some key players. The Flames, not so much, you know, losing some games at home, games they had to lead in, games they had teams on back-to-backs that they couldn't take advantage of. But... Daryl Sutter needs to get this team back on track. Going into LA on a Monday night, I got the Flames. They, you know, the thaws on in Alberta. The Flames were on fire. They don't need to be thawing out now. They need to stay on fire. I think they find their way back to the win column in LA on Monday night. I'm with you on that for uh, all those reasons. And it's just time. It's time for Calgary to take things up a notch. On this Monday, great games. I like Boston and Columbus. St. Louis will beat Arizona. We just talked about Calgary, LA. I like Tampa to win against Toronto 4-3, probably overtime, maybe a shootout. It's going to be a great game. It could be a first-round matchup. We're in a 2-3-4 race in the Atlantic and jockeying for positions. It's a tournament. These teams play each other again. There's going to be multiple trips. Boston's in the mix. I like Tampa in this game, which is a three-pointer, which is bad for Boston, but I think the Bruins win tonight anyway. Yeah, well, the Bruins, I think, win, but I'm taking the over in the Lightning Maple Leafs game as well. Yep. It'll be a fun one, as it always is when you're involved with sports interaction. Check out all NHL odds, props, and totals at SIA.com and sign up today at sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button pod. That's us to place your bet. Everyone's doing it. Sports interaction is Canada's sports book. What a weekend, Mr. Button. What a weekend. I mean, we could go in so many directions. The McDavid overtime goal. I mean, to think McDavid has 17 more points than some other players 
and some are not even talking about him being a finalist for the Hart Trophy. Good, good. They're they're not. We talked every. Oh, okay. So you're gonna go say to McDavid, you finished fourth, or or Drysaitel, who fought through an injury on Sunday to get fifty and hundred was was something special. But maybe for me, was the Florida Panthers. And give Steve Goldstein credit. This game ain't over, and it wasn't as if I'm saying that because I work for the Panthers. And I don't want you to change the channel. I thought to himself. I sat there Saturday afternoon. I went, yeah, I don't think it's over either. I don't think it's over either. And to, wa- to watch a 6-2 turn 6-6 turn 7-6. Oh, my God. God bless young Jack Hughes. I think he was on for 6-4, I'm not blaming him. I'm just saying, like, oh, my goodness. That's Florida, and that's the era that we're in. I, I, I thought some of the storylines over the weekend were must-see TV. What was the saying? Real life, real drama, real TV. Yep. It was that, Craig. It was that. Well, let's go back to that game because I was watching the game too, and 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 I was mesmerized. Now, a couple of things too. And I I know you know Sharon Govich has the hat trick, and people are talking and everything at the end of the game, right, and everything. But I'm a big believer in situational hockey. They iced the puck, the New Jersey Devils, going for the empty net. You know what? So you know what? You created your own problem. You know what? Find a way to flip. And and they had time. It wasn't like they were under duress. You know. Flip the puck, get the puck into a spot where you can make a change. They were tired, right? And, you know, it's a, it's a team that's had so many struggles this year with injuries with uh, uh, and, and the goaltending specifically. I mean, the goaltending has, has been a real challenge. Who's playing tonight? Like, who, who's available for Lindy Ruff, right? But situational hockey, so I'm not, I'm not here to jump on the New Jersey Devils. I think they have a really bright future. You know, I think they have some really good young players. They're like a lot like Ottawa. They, they, they got some critical pieces they got to fill in around before they begin. But it is fine, right? And, I mean, that Florida Panthers team is, is really, really top-notch. There's, there's simply no question about it. Now, I, I was on with Jay Onright last night. I'm amazed how many people from 3,000 miles away can diagnose a serious injury. He banged into the boards. He, he skates around. He comes back. He plays. And we're talking about like he had a leg amputated and came back like Bobby Bond and played. Along. Like, seriously, stop it. Stop it, everybody. Stop it, Jack Michaels and Louis DeBrusque. You, you were not in the building. Stop trying to diagnose from a distance. <laughs> we don't know. He came back. I don't know what's going to happen today. All I know is he played the rest of the game, Steve. He played the rest of the game. And like, like I said, like, you know, they didn't reattach his leg after he banged into the boards. End of the day, I can only tell you this. And I said it with Jay last night. I can say this. You know what happens with greatness? We become just kind of, oh, ho-hum. That's what ends Num- up happening. Numb you to know it? What? Like, you know, you got McDavid. All he does is just at the top of the scoring, every, every, I wake up every morning, there's McDavid, there's Dreisaitl. Oh, but they're not part of the uh, Hart Trophy conversation. Says who? Says who? Some people that decide that they're going to control the narrative. Austin Matthews is in the Hart Trophy. Great. Well, so is Mitch Marner then. Don't tell me Austin Matthews is in the Hart Trophy thing and uh, Mitch Marner isn't. These two guys in Edmonton are brilliant. They're brilliant. They're, they're, their greatness stands out every single game just about. Okay. And, and to suggest that they aren't good or they don't do this, garbage. They're great, great players. You know, I heard somebody say, yeah, Gretzky's not great on breakaways. I can tell you what, there's only one guy, the one guy won on a breakaway is Wayne Gretzky. Because nobody scored more goals than Wayne Gretzky. You want to tell me that he's not great on, good, you tell me that, right? <laughs> 
don't get it. I don't get it, Steve. But that's what happens with greatness. We just become kind of, oh, 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 oh look at all my game. And he, he's got 125 points again. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the same thing. I, I had this conversation at the World Junior. Connor Bedard scored four goals against Austria. They go, oh, it's Austria. I said, okay, fair, fair enough. How come everybody else isn't doing it then? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw that too. And um, I think it's back to, well, I mean, we can go way back. You mentioned Gretzky. It's like Dick Beto's. We couldn't handle Gretzky's greatness, so he said he'd be the fourth line center on the 47 Leafs. It was a famous <laughs> quote uh, to his dying day. Uh, Walter brought it up all the time. And I think I think what it is, and we both deal with people around the world when you scout, but in North America, and because an award that's voted on, it has a sense of a popularity contest. It's, you know what? It's someone else's turn to win the Oscar or the heart. You know what? McDavid and Dreisaitl... The Oilers, you know, they've been there. They're only in third in their division. It's sexy to have Shesterkin or a new voice like Huberto or Matthews and then bring in Marner or Kadri was in it for a while. It's almost as if I'm going to get as many people on my, I'm going to be the Pied Piper and see if I can get a lot of people to follow. I just look at it and say, if what continues, continues. Like, wow, moment. Like that, the win on Friday night was like what Connor did, he's scoring now. It looks like he wants to get to 50. He'd get to 50 now if he already want. Like if he wanted that 50 goals by now, what's better for the Oilers is he distributes the puck. And then I was looking at some other numbers and you gave me some sports logic numbers, uh, and all these analytics or whatever. 41st assists. 40. You know what that means? I could score, but I'm going to give it to you backdoor tap in. Like, and, and nothing against anybody that he has, but he doesn't have a curry. The closest thing is dry sidle, but they moved him on the second line just to help out. And I, I, I got caught up in it too because we have people on, oh, we got a guy on from New York City. How are, oh, we got a guy on from Toronto. We got a guy on from Florida. Yeah, maybe it's Huberto and it's, and it's Matthews and it's Shesterkin and it's, and it's anybody but. It's almost like the narrative of anybody but. And now I'm sitting there thinking, I'm, gonna throw, I'm, I'm starting again erase all the bids and let's let's watch april let's watch <laughs> april and then by looking at some other stuff that you know when they're on the ice they're the best team in the league when they're not they're not as good let's put it that way oh my goodness so i'm i'm clean slates i'm gonna start vanilla and then look at all the baskin robbins flavors to make decisions because i was wow like this weekend was wow and then I, 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 I had those guys kind of out and I'm saying, no, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to do what you did. I'm going to start with everybody in. Not, I'm not just, I'm not excluding anybody. Everyone's in. And then as we go later, okay, maybe it's not Kadri. Maybe it's not Makar or, or whatever, as opposed to saying, no, I'm going to start with three. I got three and maybe you can join the group. I, I think it's a good way of looking at it, Craig. Well, I mean, I, I think it just, you start with a larger pool and then just try to say who it is instead of eliminating people. What, what, what's amazing to me, the first goal that Edmonton scored on Sunday night versus Anaheim, if you want to watch Connor McDavid's brilliance, just, just rewind it as he gets the puck at his own blue line. He comes through the neutral zone. He kind of gets surrounded. He finds his way, snakes his way through, weaves it through, ends up on the other side. And then boom, over to Tyson Berry. He's created everything. He's put the whole opponent on their heels, creates the whole thing. Tyson Berry does a little fake boom goal. I mean, just that little play. People go, oh, yeah, yeah, Connor McDavid. Like, the guy is brilliant. I, I, like, 40 goals now. Okay, I'm, I'm with you. He, he's going to score 50 in his career. It might be this year. It might be this year. It very well maybe. I'm not going to rule anything again because 
you know, for anybody, honestly, Stephen, I, I, I'll say this publicly, I will say it to anybody to say that Connor McDavid isn't one of the leading candidates for MVP in the league. Sorry, you, you, I'm not listening to you. Leon Dreisaitl isn't one of the leading candidates for the Hart Trophy. Sorry, I'm not listening to you. You know, and you're right about this. It, th these aren't lifetime achievement awards. And these are who is the most valuable player this year. Take, and, and I hate all the canvassing. I hate all the things. Oh, this person says this. I mean, love Pierre Lebrun and his dedication. And he goes and he polls 32 coaches about who the Norris Trophy candidates are. Well, I can tell you right now, okay, you can talk all you want. But the bottom line, Rod Brindamore has no idea the impact of Kale McCarr. So why would I pay attention to, to Rod Brindamore talking about Kale McCarr? If I want to know about Victor Hedman, hey, Rod, tell me about Victor Hedman. You know what? And you know what? Todd McClellan, who's a hell of a coach, congratulations, thousands game, right? You know what? I don't want to hear what he has to say about Victor Hedman. You don't know Victor Hedman. <laughs> so I don't care. You know what? I don't care about these polls and these canvassing and everything and, and these ad campaigns and marketing campaigns. Bottom line is, this is serious stuff. And you know what? Matthews is a serious candidate and Shesterkin's a serious candidate and Huberto and Hedman and, and for the Norris and McCarr for the Norris and McDavid and Drysaddle for the Hart. These are great players. Nobody's saying otherwise. The yeah. bottom line is don't start telling me there's a runaway favorite because there isn't. And that's what makes this time of the year so exciting, specifically this year with so many things that are so close. And right when we you know, did talk to the church and did talk to the cemetery. We, we got the Vegas Golden Knights having won five in a row. Five in a row. Leonard's return. Martinez has returned, although he poked one into his own net. And, you know, it's still 55% in a race with Dallas, but Edmonton's winning. The Kings are winning. Uh, when they play each other, one's got to win if it's a three-point game. Like, I think Vegas would be done like dinner had they not been on this streak, but they're in it now. Uh, I find it fascinating because just when you think it's safe to go back in the water, right? Here comes, I give them credit for this run. It's made it more exciting. I, I, I don't know if they're going to do it, but there's another reason why we play the games and not just analyze them on paper. Um, the odds still are not great for them. It's going to really depend what Dallas does with their games in hand. Dallas's games in hand. If you don't use them, Craig, and lose them, oh boy. But I love it because they've given us something else to analyze down the stretch. Nashville and Dallas have three games in hand on Vegas each, right? Dallas, I mean, Vegas moves into the wild card spot on this Monday, April 4th, because of uh, uh, Dallas's loss against the Kraken on Sunday night. A, a, a game where the Dallas Stars looked terrible. They looked terrible. Eh? Then they looked to Steve like they looked terrible. Uh, anyway. You know, so but three games in hand that, that you know, you, I, I know we talked, but that, that's significant. The Vegas Golden Knights have been on a heater and they haven't made they've made up one point or two points after Dallas's loss uh, on Sunday night. I will say this, though. Good on them. Good on them. But if they make the playoffs, I'm going to tell you this. Watch out. I might. Uh, you, you, you may have to put Vegas into a whole different category because that means Stone is back. Pacioretty's back, and that changes the dynamic of that Vegas Gold Knights team. And when you start honing your game at this point in time with all the other players, and then you add those top-notch players, 
watch out, Mr. Coolius, watch out. They, they could be that team that everybody's going like, oh boy, do I want to play them in the first round of the playoffs? Do I want to play them in the second round of the playoffs? You know, I said that this year making the playoffs might be their greatest accomplishment. They might be able to do the double accomplishment, make the playoffs and go deep in the play and go deep where expectations went way down. Yeah, I would say this to your narrative. If I'm Colorado, I'm cheering for Dallas. Just, <laughs> just, just, just go on a bit of a run so we don't have to worry about a team that the original conversation and narrative was about Vegas wins the Pacific, Colorado wins the Central, and they meet in round three. They meet in round three was what we were looking at way back in the good old days of November, December. Now that's kind of twisted. And I, I find it, I, I love it. Not just because, you know, we're wrong by saying, well, they're in, they're in big, we all are in big trouble and still 55%. If you're on the operating table, do you want to be the doctor? Good news. <laughs> you're more than 50%, 90? 55. Oh, what's Dallas? They're 80. Oh, I want to be Dallas. I know. <laughs> yeah. and just, right. And it's the strength of schedule and everything else. So it is, it, it is intriguing. And, and it gives us something again to get excited about. We talked about, you know, when we we're doing our betting stuff with the sports interaction about two, three, four, and where teams could end up. I, I don't want boring. I want to be engaged. I want options, Craig. I want this to be like a, the carnival. You know, I want to, what's that ride? That's for little kids. Uh, the gambling thing's closed and so is the bar. I'm out of here. We've got a lot of, <laughs> right? We have a lot of things to get excited about. Like I look at Pittsburgh and the Rangers. I'm just intrigued. Like I, yeah. I've changed. It's a worse 50-50. If I have to go 51-49, I, I think I'm 51-49 on the Rangers. But at this very second, subject to change. But that's how I feel. Andrew Cop, you called it. You, you called cop. You called the cops first. He's amazing. Craig, like he is. And Steve, see, I'm with you too. And I think this is one of the things that we always have to keep in mind. Things change and you got to adapt to changing circumstances. You know, in the course of a game, Connor McDavid's coming down the ice and he like that. I talk about that play he makes on the first goal Sunday night. And, you know, he comes up the ice. He, he's got to adapt to what's in front of him and what's changing. He can't just say, well, I'm just going to do this. And all of a sudden he runs into two players. Like, it's the same thing with us. You know, you watch, okay, okay, we like that team. We, we know we like, but boy, they're showing me a little bit more. And, oh boy, like, you know what? I know where I was at on Vegas and I wasn't, you know, but I'm telling you what, they're dialing in. They're dialing in a, like deeper and harder. And that's what the playoffs are about. We know what they've done in the playoffs. I'm quite impressed with the Vegas Golden Knights right now, right? Yeah. I, I really am. I got to say that Chandler Stevenson, another player that has really been instrumental to their success. You know, things are going to change here in the next week, Steve, the Calgary flames were running away with the Pacific. I still think that they're in the driver's seat, but I'll tell you what, if they, if they don't get in there and drive the car and they want to keep the brake on, you know what, they, they might not make it in advance and the LA Kings, how, how good have they been? No doubting, no Dustin Brown. They've they got these young. I'll tell you what I did do. Anybody not know if you're not watching, and I do the rookie of the year stuff, and I'm watching everything just as you are. Mo Sider to me, he's the rookie of the year. There's no question about him. Yeah. But the second rookie defenseman on that uh, all rookie team, Sean Dersey with the LA Kings. Sean Dersey played 28 minutes in Edmonton, 
And then he came back the next night and played 26 in Calgary. If you don't know the name Sean Dursey, you better start watching because I'll tell you what, this young player has been instrumental for the LA Kings in the absence of Drew Doughty. He's been, he's been nothing short of outstanding. And his story of going right back in, developing a little bit later, then watching the Kings games, they thought he'd be a good 5'6", right-handed shot defenseman. He's obviously, you know, people thought Mackenzie Weger was going to be okay. Nobody thought you're a top-pairing guy. And that's why when we say to the kids out there, just because you're not developing like McDavid or McKinnon and, you know, you're like our friend Mike Johnson, who's 22 and really starting to shine in his last year bowling green. And he thinks he's going to work in the golf course at Tam O'Shanter in Toronto. And in a month later, he's on Matt Sundin's right wing and he's playing <laughs> for 50. Like, like, you know, many miracles if you put yourself in the right spot do happen. Uh, good for you on Jersey. He's a great kid. His family came to a game earlier and watched him score his first goal and do his thing. And I'm sure at the time people thought you brought everybody. Not even sure you're going to play, but he, <laughs> he has, and he's done some amazing things. It's so much fun. And the great thing is we got a great schedule Monday and Tuesday, and we'll get to number 54 and see how some of those standings has changed as well. Well, you, you, you know, you talk about it too. Like, you know, Josh Norris and talk about changing. Okay. So Josh Norris comes over in the Eric Carlson trade, right? He was a first round draft pick by San Jose. I got asked this question yesterday. Where do you project Josh Norris? He's number one center. Did I always project Josh Norris as a number one center? No, I, I projected him though as a really good number two center. Well, things have changed. Mostly Josh Norris has shown, wait a second here. You want to call me a number two? I'll show you I'm a number one. What am I going to do? Just keep hanging on? There's no question he's a number one center. Now, is he in the class of McDavid? No, or, or Crosby or those guys? No, but he's a number one center. And then you look at what Tim Stutzler is doing. I mean, I look at the center ice for the Ottawa Senators. We talk about team. Like, th this is about, okay, take information and keep developing. Their center ice is pretty darn good in, in Ottawa. It's, and, and it's going to, only going to get better. My point here about Josh North, 30 goals. He's missed games this year, okay? Do you know he's on a 50-goal pace? He's on a 50-goal pace. You know that. I, I know when I say that, it's a rhetorical question. 50-goal pace. That's the number one center. <laughs> It's time for Ottawa in 2022, 2023. Like it's, it's time. They, they can't be where they are in the standings at this time next year. Like it's, it's time. They've, they've got a lot of good things there. They, I think there's a time when you're like, okay, kids leave high school. It's time to get to university. You've hung, you've hung around too. I'm your teacher. Get lost. Get out of this playground. Get into the, the big boy playground. Like there's too much there. I think for Ottawa, it's time with some of the players that you mentioned. So it might not be time, though, Steve. It might not be time. As much as we look at the young players, Tim Stutzel is 20. Okay. Josh Norris is 22. You know, Shabbat is 25 years of age. What I'm telling they might not be much different than Vancouver. Lots of young players, lots of good offensive talent. The blue line stinks. Okay. In Ottawa, it stinks. Take Thomas Shabbat out of it, it stinks. And the goaltending, they, they, they're hoping Anton Forsberg can be the guy. They're hoping that Sogard or Gustafson can take it. Like, and, and we're still talking about young guys. Without this, Brad McCrimmon, my dear friend Brad McCrimmon, he would have been 63 last week if he was still with us, miss him every day. Uh, he always said, you can patch in net, you can patch up front. It's tough to patch on the blue line. There's a whole lot of holes on that blue line in Ottawa. A whole lot of holes. So I get what you're saying. And, you know, Pierre Dorian said that the rebuild's over. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. <laughs>
Be careful. Yep. Well said, my friend. Well said. Time now for final thoughts brought to you by Ultimate Hockey Fans. Not a person or a group of people, but a product that must for every hockey basement. UltimateHockeyFans.com forward slash cool button pod for our discount. Talk to Paul Cohen, ceiling fans, puck light fixtures, or whatever else you want made. My final thoughts, something we just talked about briefly. Mitch Marner's 33-game stretch that he's on, this bender, the best stretch in Leaf franchise history. I wish now his first column said 82 because I wonder what he would be. And he's a 100-point guy. His offense, he kills penalties. Remember, the least penalty kill is better now than it's been since Pac Quinn was the head coach. He will not flame out. I'm not saying they're going to win the first-round series. He will not flame out and struggle in the playoffs for the Toronto Maple Leafs. He will not be the reason, let's say, that they lose. It's Mitchy time as it is Matthew's time. These M&Ms are magic together. Mitch Marner is the least of the Leafs' concerns going into May. Craig. I, I agree with you. I'm, you know what? I'm going to stay on the Maple Leafs uh, situation here. You know, you, you know, Jack Campbell's back in the net now, and, and Shalgren has come in. Shalgren came in at a critical time when they just needed some stable goaltending, and he provided it which I also think, you know, allowed the, the, the Cal Dubas and the, okay, you know, at least we have Shawgren. Let's get Jack. We, we know what Jack's been able to do. They haven't been playing with what they've been playing without Muzzin and they've acquired Mark Giordano. Okay. Riley's having a fantastic year. Right. And we forget, you know what? I think I need to give a lot more love to Timothy Lilligren. Timothy Lilligren has played pretty darn well for the, on the blue line there. This is a good Toronto Maple Leafs team. And I know what their path is and I know it's hard, don't write them off. That team, you know, you talk about Mitchie time, you talk about Austin and everything that goes with it. This team, you know, is not a team you can just dismiss out of hand. I, I know there's a long history of disappointment for Leafs fans. This team has some really good elements and they're going to get stronger when Muzzin comes back in the line. Well said, my friend. Just like that, episode 53 is in the books. Looking forward to 54, a great week of action. For Bruce Bolton, producer Craig Button, that's him. I'm Steve Julius. Have a great week. Enjoy the games. And we'll talk to you right here next time. <laughs>